Welcome to the Accountant Quits Podcast, an idea born from an inquisitive attempt to find one's calling. I'm Umar, and I will be your host on this series where we look into the impact of blockchain in accounting. From topics around the accounting treatment of cryptocurrencies, the new framework of triple entry accounting, the challenges at hand for audit and tax, and many more, we will look into how the profession of accounting is evolving and how accountants should prepare themselves for the future of work. The topic for episode two is on custody of crypto assets for banks and financial institutions. With more and more companies looking to invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as an alternative to traditional investments like bonds, stocks and so forth, an important consideration for these companies involves the risk and controls in place for owning such assets. One of these significant risks lies in custody. Will the company keep custody of the assets itself or will it rely on third-party providers? Custody of cryptocurrencies requires a new kind of infrastructure with unique considerations for their storage and security. And connectivity to the internet is the intersection where solutions for custody diverge. For today's episode, I have the pleasure to have Lior Lemesh, the co-founder of GK8. GK8 is a Tel Aviv-based blockchain cybersecurity company which provides an enterprise-grade custody platform that enables financial institutions to execute their blockchain transactions risk-free from cyber attacks. To achieve this, the company has developed the world's first true air gap vault with no internet connectivity or in other words, an offline system for transacting cryptocurrencies. The company's slogan speaks for itself. You can't hack what you can't reach. Yo earned his expertise in cybersecurity while serving in Israel's elite cyber team in charge of protecting the country's strategic assets from state-level hackers, reporting directly to the Prime Minister's office. An expert in both cyber attacks and cyber defense, Lior leads the development of GK8 and his vision is to make hacking private keys and blockchain assets impossible. Yo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Omar. Before we dive into the nuts and bolts of custody, could you please share with our listeners your personal story of how you got into blockchain? Yes, definitely. So our journey started uh, over three years ago, right after I done with my uh, previous background in the special forces of the prime minister in the cyber division. I heard about blockchain technology. It was back in 2017. A friend of mine actually told me to join him to invest in a new cryptocurrency. And I just met him. And for the first time, he showed to me where is he holding his money and where is he managing his cryptocurrencies. So I wasn't really interested about the specific currency that he offered me to join him to invest, but I was more curious about the solution that he used back in time in order to hold his uh, cryptocurrencies. He told me that this is the most secure wallet for cryptocurrencies in the world. Back in time, I, I was curious to learn what wallet is about. Um, and he told me that uh, this solution considered to be offline wallet. And when I saw how it worked, I couldn't understand why people uh, think that it's offline wallet since it is connected to the internet with a micro USB cable at some point. So it's exposed to cybersecurity attack vectors. So actually, uh, my partner of today, Shahar, and myself, 
we bought in early 2018. And after four days, we found a way to hack it ourselves without any special resources. So we realized that it's not the problem only over this solution, but in large, every solution in the market in order to make blockchain transaction need to receive input from the internet at some point. So we try to think, how can we make it different? Because as long as you need to be connected to the internet, for every transaction you make, it means that you're exposed to cybersecurity attack vector. So we try to find different approach. And after research that we done, we found a new novel way, which uh, we submitted as a patent. We already did it seven times in the US, patent and trademark office. We found a way to make the full process of uh, creating, signing, and sending blockchain transactions without the need for being connected to the internet at any point. And that's what made us taking the decision to open the company in order to work on building the gold standard for financial institutions that getting into this space and offering services over blockchain-based assets. So that, that's how it all started. I must say that uh, I did it uh, along with Shachar, with my uh, partner. We both uh, used to work for the Israeli Prime Minister's office. Our background is cybersecurity at the level of national security. I would clearly say that in Israel, it's one of the toughest neighborhoods in the world for cybersecurity. We're constantly under attack. And I think that this approach that there are state-level hackers out there that willing to have a large budget to cause damage and take this approach and see how it's uh, relevant to the security space in blockchain. I think it's something that helped us a lot. Blockchain is immutable protocol. Once the transaction inserted to the blockchain, there is no way back. And that's why combining this approach along with the fact that we could hack ourselves one of the most popular solutions out there then we realized that different security approaches needed, and that's what made us build uh, GK8. All right. Before preparing for this episode, I thought cold wallets were hack-proof, but it's not the case. So for our listeners to really understand custody, I thought first we have to speak about public key and private key in cryptography and blockchain. So could you explain what is the difference between a public key and a private key and why are these very important for the investor? Of course. So eventually the combination of private and public key derived from a term in the cryptography world called asymmetric encryption or signature. And the, this relevant to the blockchain space is that in order to create a new blockchain account, you need to have this pair of public and private key. The public key is the one that can be used to derive the address, the public address that you can use in order to let people know what your address is so they can move assets to this address. So I would say that the public key or the address that derived from the public key is equal to the traditional bank's detail where you can just let somebody know what your detail is so they can just transfer money okay. into that. And on the other end, the uh, private key uh, would be equal to your, I would say, traditional signature for paper check. In other words, when you want to send a transaction to the blockchain, what you need to do is to create a digital check. You need to insert who the address is, how much money you want to send, and, and so on, and then sign with your pen, Uh, and bring it to the banker. That's how it works in the traditional world, right? Over a paper chip. 
But when it comes to blockchain transaction, you should do more or less the same idea in a general concept, and then you need to have your signature as well. So the way to do it in crypto or in blockchain is using this private key, which is a frame of charts and digits that can take this digital structure of transaction and make a signature on top of that. So then the miners, which I would say equals to the bankers in the bank, will approve that the transaction was sent and signed by the sender. Now let's dive into the topic of custody of cryptocurrencies. Custody can be defined as the holding of securities on behalf of a client for safekeeping. In essence, custody of crypto assets occurs on the blockchain in the internet. What's important here is the security of the private key. The popular saying in the crypto world goes by not your keys, not your coins. So like I mentioned in the introduction, custody of crypto assets requires a new kind of infrastructure. Could you please go through how banks and financial institutions equipped today in order to provide custody services of crypto assets for their clients? And what are some of the options they have at their disposal? Sure. So first of all, it should be understood that we are facing a new economic wealth right now. There is a digitalization in the world. And specifically, when it comes to blockchain technology, what happened last year in 2020 is that the global regulation started approving financial institutions, even specifically banks, to start using asset classes that based on blockchain as a as asset classes that could be respected and, and something that banks and other financial institutions can use. So since then, it's opened a lot of new avenue streams opportunities for these banks and financial institutions. And they obviously decided to get into this space. So we took time since last year, and now we see more and more emerging financial institutions from scratch that's focusing on crypto, or on the other end, a traditional financial institution such as fully traditional banks that got into the crypto space. So eventually they, they just see that as a new revenue stream and there are a few different services that they can offer. I think the most basic service is custody. Custody is just the ability for the bank to offer its clients the ability to open new bank accounts, not only for US dollar, but also for Bitcoin, for example, and just keep the assets secure for their uh, end clients and letting them you know, control the assets, withdraw it whenever they want, deposit it into the bank whenever they want. So this would be the most basic service that we see that the banks are starting with. Now, in order for banks to offer these services, they need to have a sufficient infrastructure to do it. In other words, a sufficient infrastructure to manage the private keys. Because in order to open bank account for these clients, they literally need to manage securely private key for their clients. And that's the way to create a new wallet for them and keep them secure. And it is very hard mission. Why? Because blockchain is interactive protocol that requires interactivity with the blockchain, which is based on the public internet. And since every blockchain transaction, as I mentioned before, which is not in GK solution, by the way, but we do, we, we do it different without this need, uh, they need to be connected to the internet at some point. And especially now as the uh, regulators approved cryptocurrencies, so hackers are becoming more incentivized, especially the state level hackers, 
to invest millions to steal billions. And that's why it's a, a very risky thing for banks to do. And they need to get prepared and to do it in a way more professional way than what existing uh, today in the market. And this is the mission of GK to enable these banks to be able to have an end-to-end solution so they can start operating and offer the crypto custody service right away immediately. So these banks, when they want to start doing it, they have, I would say, three different options. The first option is to develop a technology to develop infrastructure themselves to manage these private keys, to create a control ability internally within the bank for the transactions. If they will build a technology themselves, it will be a very hard mission. They will have to spend a lot of time and efforts in order to build something like that. While on parallel, the blockchain market is very dynamic. And if they will develop by themselves uh, a solution, they will have to spend so much money and time to get up to speed with what's going on in the market. So most of the banks, I would say almost all of the banks will not choose this decision. So it's leaving them with two other options. The first option is relying on a third party custody service to all their assets. And the second option would be having their own self-managed solution. So they will be able to offer services by themselves. And in my opinion, the end game for the banks is having a self-managed solution to offer services themselves, just like what they did today. And the reason is that if they will rely on a third party to all the money for them, they will lose a lot of opportunities. Why? Because banks are making money out of money. And if the banks that receive their money will just directly deposit it in another third party to use their money to create new money, they will use a lot of opportunities. They will not be able to provide a high quality service because, for example, today in order to do a withdrawal from cold wallet in a custody service, it may take 24 to 48 hours when you're using third-party custody. But when you have your own as a bank self-managed solution, then you can do it yourself. All of these main three reasons should probably make banks to have a self-managed solution uh, using uh, partners like GK8 that's providing them with this self-managed solution uh, that's combining all of the needed layers, starting from the cold vault, which is what GK8 is doing, and I'm happy to elaborate more, um, along with MPC, which is another layer that GK8 is providing. The cold vault meant to manage the majority of the assets that never connected to the internet. Could you briefly touch on the difference between a cold vault and MPC being the services offered by GK8 and the estimated setup time at the premises of the client? Of course. So the idea of the cold vault is to use it for the most sensitive operations, like the bank that having their their physical vault to store their their assets and not for the day-to-day usage, but it's managing the majority of the risk. The second layer is MPC, uh, which stands for multi-party computation. It's very popular now to use MPC for automatic high-frequency transactions. But MPC by itself is not as secure as the cold vault, but it's managed small amount of money, so it's mitigate the risk. And that's how we change the equation for hackers. So we literally provide all of these layers as end-to-end solution. So the banks within like one day of installation and additional two days of training course can be operated right away 
to offer crypto custody. So we don't need license since we don't owe the money for the banks, but the banks need their license. And by providing a technology that already meets all of these regulatory requirements, we're enabling the banks to have easily all of the licenses that they need. All right, I want to take a step back, not speak about banks for a while, but financial institutions. Let's say the average person who's been investing in cryptocurrencies is probably aware of B2C cold wallet solutions. To mention a few, some like Ledger wallet or the Trezor wallet out there, which are mostly used for retail purposes. My question to you is this, can financial institutions also use cold wallet B2C solutions like this? And what are the limitations and risk if they do so? Because from my understanding, these cold wallets are also doing the job of custody of the client's private keys. So I would take it into three major aspects. And again, I don't want to focus on specific names or specific solutions out there, of course, but banks, in order to be able to offer services, but not only banks, obviously, banks and financial institutions, just take it as an example. They need to have three major thoughts, in my opinion, in your mind. The first one would be obviously the security. Since, as I explained before, it's a very new technology and it's irreversible protocol and it's very important to manage the private keys and asset secure. The second one is to comply with compliance and control and according to the regulatory requirements. And the third one, I would say insurance. In order for financial institutions to meet these three major building blocks, in my opinion, to start being operated with blockchain asset classes and offer services on top of that, they need a solution to address them all. And most of the traditional B2C wallets, either if it's a, a mobile wallets or a other wallets, they don't necessarily provide all of these layers that I just mentioned the solutions in the market, most of them don't let you even have insurance in place at all. So that's why by focusing on, on the insurance aspect, um, they need to have a solution that will enable them to have a sufficient insurance. So they will have peace of mind. Uh, they will feel comfortable with offering uh, services on top of blockchain technology. I must say that although you know there are a lot of smart people uh, within financial institutions still it's a very new technology for them. It's very hard for them um, to feel comfortable. And I think the insurance is super important for them. Now, when it comes to compliance control, and in other words, meeting the regulatory requirements. So since last year, since the regulation started approving cryptocurrencies, there are more and more requirements. And I think that most of the B2C solutions out there are not focusing on that. Imagine that bank need to have a ceremony of approvers within the bank in order to execute blockchain transaction according to the sensitivity of the operation. Different people from different groups in the bank, like finance, IT, management, security, and so on. And B2C solutions, it's not necessarily exist. So you should keep in mind that such kind of functionality are highly important for banks in order to be operative. And again, combining that along with the uh, regulatory requirements for anti-money laundering and for auditing and the crypto attestation and this requirement for uh, control, 
uh, super important and it's impossible for financial institutions to work without them. And that's why they need uh, different solutions than B2C ones. And the first one, which is the most important one, in my opinion, is the security. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, the cyber security problem in blockchain is very, very pain one. Hacking events in cryptocurrencies are reported on a weekly or monthly basis, and a large amount of money is stolen every time. Just to reiterate what you said earlier, custody of crypto asset boils down to securely managing your private keys, since without your private keys, you will never see your coins again. Could you go through the differences between hot and cold wallets and the role the internet plays? I heard you mention before that there are no real cold wallet solutions out there because at some point they still need to be connected to the internet and are vulnerable to attacks. Sure. So today there are two major solutions, cold and hot wallets. And again, wallet is just your ability to manage private key. Now, Hot wallet means that the private key is old uh, in a device that all the time connected to the internet. So it's easier for hacker to just compromise this device, taking the private key and steal the money. That's why the most sophisticated hot wallets out there are using multi-signature or multi-party computation, which is when it comes to security, just like multi-signature. In other words, it means that hackers will have to compromise instead of one public internet connected computer, two or three different public internet connected computer. And it's safe to assume that uh, hackers, uh, average ones, would invest like $1 million in order to compromise one public internet connected computer. So if all of what hackers need to do, even to compromise the most sophisticated MPC solutions out there, you're just investing a few million dollars to compromise a few internet connected computers and then have full control on the private key and potentially steal billions, they would do it. Hacking is about ROI and hackers will invest millions to steal billions. And this is why hot wallets, even the most sophisticated ones based on multi-signature or MPC are not sufficient by themselves. On the other end, there are cold wallets and There is no real cold wallet today in the market since blockchain is interactive protocol that requires input from the blockchain uh, at some point. And this is exactly the point where the cold wallet becomes hot and that's all what hackers need. So either if cold wallets using micro USB cables, thumb drive, SD card, QR code and camera, they are all receiving input at some point and that's where uh, they are vulnerable for attacks. And that's why either... MPC by itself is not sufficient or either cold wallet that is not really cold by itself is not sufficient. And this is exactly where GK8 is taking place because we understood this situation right now. We understand how big is the risk out there and how, how huge the risk is for the biggest banks out there, not only by losing the money, but also the huge reputation damage they can have in place. And that's why we created the GK8 end-to-end platform that what we do different is that we combining cold vault that is the only true cold vault in the market. In our cold vault, we can create the full process of creating, signing, and sending blockchain transaction without the need to receive input from the internet at any point. And that's why it's really cold and really offline. We are pairing this with MPC, for automatic high frequency transactions, while the majority of the assets are in the cold vault that cannot be hacked and small amount of money for the automatic high frequency trading operations within the MPC. 
So we really changed the equation for hackersy, right? Because while in other solutions, what hackers need to do is to invest a few millions to steal all of the assets. In our case, the majority of the assets cannot be hacked. Small amount of assets are managed in the MPC, while hackers, uh, it doesn't make sense to them to invest uh, millions in order to earn less than that. So they will probably not even try. So that's the approach that we took. It's a risk-based approach that's combining the security along with the usability. And this is the gold standard that we believe that banks should adopt in order to be able to get into this space with a peace of mind. All right. This is the perfect segue on to my next question. Now, let's say we have a bank or financial institution that wants to seek the services of GK8. Could you provide us with the practical steps from the moment they go on the exchange to purchase the cryptocurrency? And then how are these cryptocurrencies transferred to GK8 and how you store these assets for them? Like the process for arriving there. Right. So it should be understood. GK8 is not a custody service provider. We are not holding money for any financial institutions or for anyone at all. What we do is we are partnering with the banks and the financial institutions, providing them with a self-managed solution so they will be able to offer services by themselves. These services would be crypto custody, DeFi, staking, tokenization, trading, This all can be done using the GK8 platform. So once bank or financial institution taking a decision to offer any of these services or other ones that they can build their own business logic on top of our platform, which is the building block for the private keys management, then they can work with us. All it takes is only one day of making the installation. Uh, we are working the client all the way with all of the needed uh, preparations they need to do. And after one day of installation, that including creating all of the backup process, creating all of the user management setup and manage the risk according to the specific use case of the bank. They are ready to go again within one day of installation. And then there are two additional days of training course where we are training the bank's team in order to be ready and start using the solution and being operated to offer the services. And that's it. From this moment on, they have their fully self-managed end-to-end solution to offer services over blockchain-based assets, either custody, staking, DeFi, tokenization, trading, and they're ready to go. GK focused on building the solution in a way that it would be a building block platform. The reason why I'm saying that is because the solution, the custody, the private keys management, the wallet, it's all wrapped by API and SDK, means that the bank or the financial institution at any point can build his own business logic and execute it according to his digital strategy on top of the solution. So at any point, he can build his own application and integrate it on top of GK8 solution. You mentioned staking. So can these companies use the platform of GK8 to stake their assets while in custody? And just for our listeners, staking is the process of locking your cryptocurrencies to support the operations of a blockchain network. And in return, you're rewarded for your contribution. Yes, One of GK8's unique value offering is cold custody, cold staking, sorry, means that we are able to make staking, for example, over Ethereum 2.0, while the private keys remain completely offline in the cold vault, while still 
the bank can make a staking over the protocol and get the reward to the private key while it always remain offline without any risk. So imagine how huge it is for bank to generate new revenue stream by depositing assets in the protocol, earning like five, six, seven, eight percent annually according to the specific protocol, while the private keys always remain secure in the offline code vault. I recently read that GK8 has partnered with uh, Prosegur to create the world's first crypto bunker. This crypto bunker is based on a 360 degree inaccessibility approach that prevents any possibility of physical or cyber attack. Could you explain why is this an even more secure way for risk minimization of custody of crypto assets? So Prosegur is one of our partners who is one of the most notable traditional custodians in the world. They're managing over 440 billion euros in assets for banks and financial institutions. And they took a huge decision over a year ago to get into the crypto space. They validated the market a lot and they tested the market a lot and they chose GK8 as their partners. And together with Prosegur, we created the first crypto bunker, means that Prosegur using their uh, physical facilities, you can imagine like a, a military base with physical protections. And they combining that along with our unique cybersecurity protection while using our solution over there. So imagine that you're taking the most advanced physical protection along with the most advanced cybersecurity protection it's all getting together to protect blockchain-based digital assets, either cryptocurrencies, uh, security tokens based on blockchain, in the future, real estate tokens based on blockchain and so on. And it's all protected by this unique combination of top-tier physical and cybersecurity protection. And this is what uh, this partnership uh, is about. All right. Could you please mention some of the barriers that banks and financial institutions are facing today for cryptocurrencies to become mainstream? And what are some of the solutions? Yes, of course. So as I mentioned before, I think that they're facing a few different layers of barriers. The first one is the regulatory one. And I think that it's very much approved since last year. And as time go on, it's getting more and more approved. And that's what makes banks and financial institutions feel more comfortable to start. And I encourage the banks and the financial institutions to focus on working with the local regulators and keep pushing in order to make this uh, super clear and super available to start working with that. Another barrier would be the technology. And this is obviously where companies like GK8 coming in place and providing end-to-end solutions so the banks don't need to develop anything and they don't need to invest anything on the IT or on, or on the R&D layers. And this is something that can make their life easier. So I would recommend banks and financial institutions not develop themselves solutions and of custodian and staking DeFi tokenizations, trading, but rather using partners like GK that are providing it with them, then they can make sure they have the needed security and the needed support on the protocol level and to be up to speed with what's going on in the market. And again, insurance. I think insurance is very important and the banks should keep it in mind that there are solutions out there and it, it can just 
close any gap that may remain after having the technology and the regulation in place. Moving on to the next topic of uh, blockchain education. Since blockchain technology is not easy to understand, this issue becomes a bottleneck. To understand blockchain, smart contracts, crypto assets, one often needs a few weeks of research and understanding. Now, with increased demand for blockchain skills, what advice would you have for someone who wants to make a career switch to blockchain? Where should they start? So I think that, you know, blockchain is just another data structure, but a secure one, a decentralized one. And you can represent in the blockchain different data. The most popular usage today is money, like cryptocurrencies or other assets that can be tradable. So it really depends on what use case would you like to focus. And I think that there are today, the, mo the most popular things today is using blockchain for money. So I think that what people should do if they want to get into this space is focusing on the financial market and the financial service providers and see how can they involve and in taking active positions over there. Again, even in the most traditional ones, even banks. So this is where I would suggest to focus. This is where I would suggest to, suggest to start with. And I think that as the market is evolving and the technology will evolving, there will be more and more use cases, but this is for now. And in order to get into that, uh, you know, the, the internet is obviously full, fully with a lot of details. You can make YouTube to learn in general, first of all, what blockchain is, to understand why it's different than Bitcoin, which is just one use case, to understand the patterns, the core idea behind it. There are a lot of even free courses out there that in order to help making this adoption, there are different big companies out there that are encouraging different people to come and learn more. So it's everything out there and whoever want to get into that just need to open YouTube and start learning. You're right. From what I understand, blockchain will be present everywhere. So people just have to have a basic understanding of blockchain and they pick the industry where they want to work in. So I think sure, that would be the sure. best approach for people. Yeah. Uh, Leo, we're nearing the end of the podcast. Before we go, could you summarize the risk faced by banks and financial institutions to hold the private keys themselves and why they should instead trust an offline solution like GK8, like in a few sentences to summarize what you've said before? Yes, of course. Blockchain is rapidly growing technology and markets. It's impossible for banks to develop solutions themselves and get them all the time up to speed. It's not efficient for them to do that. That's why they need to have a self-managed solution provided by partner that will always keep uh, being updated with the market and providing them with what they need. In addition, the security issue is a very painful one since uh, billions of dollars were stolen in the past years. And that's why banks shouldn't take risk and develop something themselves, but use a better proof solution like ours that already in production, uh, managing billions of dollars out there. And in addition, it should be understood that by having a self-managed solution compared to third-party custody providers, you'll be able to provide a higher quality of a service 
with a, a more competitive pricing and with the ability for the banks to be able to generate new revenue streams by using the money to create money. All right. I have a last question for you uh, before we leave. Is there a quote or a maxim that you live by? Yeah, sure. So there is actually one uh, in my uh, office uh, by uh, Winston Churchill saying uh, the pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity and the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And the reason why I feel very comfortable with this one is because, you know, the entrepreneur life is a very interesting one. Uh, there are a lot of challenges that you need to step over. GK, you know, we started our journey three years ago, raised the over $11 million so far from the best investors out there. And, you know, it's like a roller coaster in building a startup. And I think that it's very important as an entrepreneur uh, to recognize different difficulties as a positive challenges and build strategy and time and efforts to see how you get over them step by step rather than, you know, take them to uh, the negative approach. And this is something that's helping me step another and another and another step in taking this company to the highest level and really building here something huge. We have dozens of clients today globally uh, that managing billions of dollars using our solution is including a Prosegur that you mentioned yourself, Itoro. We just started a helping Mastercard to get into the crypto space, which is a super exciting news for us. And I'm really proud on the team and about what we all build here together. The team become globally. We have team in obviously in Israel, uh, but also in the US, in New York, and in Switzerland, in Geneva. Yo, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your expertise. To all the executives at banks and other financial institutions, I hope you received more clarity on having peace of mind to invest cryptocurrencies as an asset class and why you should trust an offline services provider like GK8, for example, whose solutions are never connected to the internet as opposed to the traditional cold wallets out there. Before we go, could you please share with our listeners where can they find you? Any social media channels where they can follow the latest uh, developments of GK8? Yes, definitely. First of all, I'm inviting um, every financial institution that's interested in learning more how can they get into the blockchain space securely and generate new revenue streams in our website. Uh, it's gk8.io. We are obviously a lot in uh, LinkedIn. We're inviting people to see what we post. We, are, we have a lot of news on a daily basis. Huge things are going on here. So I would say LinkedIn is the, and, and our website obviously would be the best channels. And personally, if somebody wants to reach out to me, is invited to do it also uh, over LinkedIn. And I'm happy to take it from there to any level that is needed. All right, great. I will put all the links on the website of the accountant quits at theaccountantquits.com. Perfect, Lior. Thanks for your time again today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And good luck with the, with the new podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Bye. Sure. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode. You'll find all the links of the episode, show notes, and transcripts on the website of The Accountant Quits at theaccountantquits.com. Please note that this content is for general information purposes only and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. If you do know anyone who could benefit from this episode and you care about them, please do share the episode with them. All the episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And by leaving us a review and rating, you will support the channel and all your fellow accountants. In order to be notified each time we release a new episode, please do follow us on Instagram and on LinkedIn. We hope to have you with us next time. Bye for now.